Hey everyone, Jeff here from the Your Move team. Many of us are open to the idea of taking a next step in our relationship with God. However, we aren't exactly sure where to look or how to begin. So the Your Move team wants to help. We believe your next step could really be easier if you knew how God had wired you. In 90 seconds, you can take an easy, anonymous quiz that will reveal your most natural ways of connecting with God. Our team has then provided a few next steps based on those results. Find the quiz and your next step at yourmove.is follow. We really do believe that the next 30 minutes will help you make better decisions and live with fewer regrets. So today, we're going to continue with Andy's fourth message in his eight-part series, Follow. Following Jesus is about making a difference, not just about making a point. In this episode, Andy Stanley talks about what followers of Jesus look like. Dear Andy, I was reminded in your sermon about my wife using St. Joseph, the patron saint of real estate, <laughs> to sell our lake house. The only St. Joseph she could find was one holding Jesus, and I wasn't going to bury Jesus, so she did it herself. She credits St. Joseph for selling our house, though it wasn't soon enough for me. She said once the house sells, you're supposed to dig him back up and take him with you. She never found where she buried Jesus. But when the neighbor asked me what my wife was doing on her hands and knees in the yard, I told her that she was looking for Jesus. Now, if you weren't here last week, you have no idea what that was about. That's because you missed church and we don't want you to miss. Anyway, we're in a series called Follow. This is part four. And we're talking about following Jesus. And a real, uh, real quick update, uh, recap rather, we said a couple things that are uh, relevant to all of us. First of all, that all of Jesus' first century followers, all of them were unbelievers and sinners, every single one of them. And so his invitation to follow is to unbelievers and sinners. In fact, it wasn't until the end of his ministry that people who actually touched him, heard him, and spent time with him actually came to full-blown faith. And so if you have questions, if you have doubts, you are invited to follow Jesus. In fact, one of Jesus' followers had a nickname, and his name was Doubting. Remember, Doubting Thomas. So that shouldn't be an impediment. We want all of you, all of us, to begin to lean into the teachings of Jesus and become Jesus followers, regardless of where you are in your lifestyle, regardless of where you are in your obedience, regardless of where you are in your knowledge, and regardless of where you are in your faith. Then last week, we answered this question. If we're following Jesus, where are we going? And we said the sort of the bottom line as you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and ask the question, you know, where is this going? What's Jesus' primary message? It was simply this, faith in God that overwhelms fear. Now, most people would tell you that, you know, the end, the end game for Jesus is heaven. But when you actually read the words of Jesus, um, there's some of that, but that's not, the, that's not the brunt. That's not the full force of his message. And it's not be a better person. All there, there's, there's some of that in there as well. But the primary driving force of his message was Jesus wanted you and me to have faith in God that was so big, confidence in God that was so great that when in the midst of circumstances that are fearful, that we would have such great confidence in God that we would be able to obey the thing he said the most, which is fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. So that was last week. Now today, um, we're gonna answer another question. The question is this, what should Jesus followers wear? What should Jesus, and I know you've been dying to know this. This is our fourth weekend. You're like, Andy, I want to become a Jesus follower, but I don't know what to wear. So today, we're going to answer the question that I know has kept you up since we began this series. What should Jesus followers wear? Now, this is important because as you know, uh, whenever someone follows someone or something, you can tell what or who they're following by what they wear. Isn't that correct? So quick quiz. I'm going to show you some pictures. You tell me who these people are following. Who's this guy following right here? <laughs> who is it? 
That's right, I heard that on the balcony at Browns Bridge. That's right, the Packers, okay? All right, who, who's, uh, who are these guys following right here? Oh, yeah. Now, just in case you know, if you're new to our churches, we have churches scattered all over the city, and we have different numbers of fans for different Georgia schools scattered all over the city. For so, so for some of you, this is a yay. For some of you, it's a boo. For some of you, it's a, didn't we already do Green Bay? But that's because you're not paying attention. Okay. <laughs> now, here's, this one's a little bit more difficult, okay? Who are these kids following? That's right, Brazil's what kind of team? Soccer team, that's right. Now, the thing is, Sports fans aren't the only groups that, you know, follow and let people know who they're following by what they wear. Religious people do this all the time, right? So who is she following? The Prophet Muhammad, right? She's probably Muslim, right? Who are they? See, now you're afraid to yell stuff out because it's like, <laughs> can we, I know. See, you're a bunch of church people. You didn't, no one even trained you. You just, you come in the building, you start acting like church people, okay? Who are these guys following? Buddha. Yeah, they're Buddhist, pre- Buddha, Buddhist priests, okay? Some of them have sunglasses. I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, you got to keep up. Now, here's, this one's a little trickier. Who are these guys following? Or what are these guys following? Sikhism. That's right, they're Sikhs. And aren't they, I mean, this is kind of strange to say, aren't they like the most handsome like guys? I mean, they're just like so cool. I mean, if, to be able to pull this off and to look great, those are some handsome guys. Because for most of us, this is a little unusual, but when you see this, this is the fifth largest religion in the world and it's growing like crazy, okay? And so when you see, you know, that, you know, headdress or headgear, you know, these guys are, you know, they're following the teachings of Sikhism. They're Sikhs, okay? Now, so which brings us to our question, you know, what, what should Christians wear? Or let's not even use that word. What should Jesus' followers wear? If you know what somebody's following by what they wear, what should Jesus' followers wear? And we have a couple of options. Here's option number one. There's this. Okay? Now, on the far other end of the spectrum, there's this. Yeah. God hates you. Well, that just makes me want to just run in your direction and just be, be like you, right? So those are the two ends of the spectrum. Now here, here's something that you, you may not believe and you had to come to church to, to believe this. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul tells us what Jesus' followers are supposed to wear. Now that should make you nervous because he was writing you know, 2,000 years ago before the invention of buttons or zippers, okay? He tells us what to wear, and to kind of to set us up for this, actually, the Apostle Paul, in case you didn't know, he, was, he came into the world, or he came into history known as Saul of Tarsus. And so as he began to you know, flesh out the teachings of Jesus, he would take what Jesus taught and make it even more practical for these Gentile Christians, like most of us, who didn't have a Jewish background. And the primary teaching of Jesus, the primary teaching of Jesus that the Apostle Paul leveraged over and over and over and over was something Jesus said right at the very very end of his time on the planet. Here's what he said. We've, we've looked at this before, so I'll hit this kind of quick. He said, a new command I give you. You've heard this before, I bet. A new command I give you, here it is, love one another. To which we say, that's not new. I, I've heard that my whole life. And Jesus would say, I know you've heard that your whole life, but I'm not finished yet, okay? A new command I give you, love one another. And then he ups the bar. As I have loved you, you must love one another. If you don't, if you forget everything else I say, you are to love one another, he says to these guys, and you are to love each other, not the way you love each other. You're not supposed to one another, one another, the way you want another, one another. You are to one another the way I have one another. You're to take your cue from me. And he would say, maybe Matthew, because we talked about this a few weeks ago, if you were here. Matthew, 
You remember that day we walked up and you're collecting taxes and Peter wanted to spit on you and before he could spit on you, I said, Matthew, before you've changed a thing, before you've changed anything about what you believe about me, before you're even sure what I'm about, Matthew, would you follow me? Would you join my posse? You remember that, Matthew? Remember how you felt that day, Matthew? Yeah. Well, I want you to love these guys the way I loved you that day. Nathaniel, you remember what you said about me? You remember the very first thing that came out of your mouth about me, Nathaniel, do you remember that? Yeah, here's what it was, Nathaniel. I, I, I remember this specifically. John, write this down. Can anything good come from Nazareth? You dished my whole family, my city, my town, my relatives. I mean, that, can anything good? You remember you said that about me, Nathaniel? Yeah, okay. You remember how I responded? I said, Nathaniel, follow me. Hey guys, you remember the day I preached that sermon about eat my flesh, drink my blood, and it freaked everybody out, and all of you guys were gonna leave, and they're all looking around the room, yeah. He says, do you remember how I responded when I knew that you were about to abandon me? I chose not to abandon you. Yeah, we remember that. Okay, so when I say I want you to love as I've loved, that's the kind of love I'm talking about. And then he said this, and this is the part that just drove so much of what the Apostle Paul would teach to the new Christians in these churches that he would plant. By this, this kind of love, this love the way I've loved you. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples and disciple is a follower. That's where we get the word. It's just disciple, follow, follow, follow. He says, by this kind of unusual love, everyone will know that you're my disciple if you love one another. In other words, this is the mark. This is what people are gonna see. This is how I want people to distinguish you. This is the thing about you that I want them to look at and see and feel and experience and go, oh, he or she must be a Jesus follower. Now, this is huge. This is the only time Jesus said, this is the thing that I want to mark you as my follower. <laughs> and Simon Peter responds. And Simon Peter asks him, Lord, where are you going? What? Yeah, you know that thing you said about 10 minutes ago about you're going somewhere? Where are you going? Jesus is thinking, okay, I, I just gave you like the main thing. I know, but where are you going? See, they're just kind of like us. It's like, yeah, 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 you love one another, love one another. Okay, um, Andy, okay, my wife, you know, she has this thing and it bugs me and I'm wondering, okay, I know I love one another, love one another, but there's this guy at work and I just can't stand him and I'm wondering, can I get a job at the church? It's like, so again, the whole love one another thing, we've heard it so many times. And Jesus says, look, this isn't just a throwaway. This isn't a religious line. This isn't something to blend into some worship song. I'm telling you, I want this to mark you. And here's the problem. In all religions, Christianity, you name it, in all the religions, I'll just pick on us because we're in the room. In all religions, the gravitational pull is away from treating people well and towards some kind of routine or ritual. Or the way I said it here is the gravitational pull of religion is always toward rule keeping rather than relationship building. All religions, and I'll tell you why. Because I am in control when it comes to rule keeping. And I would rather God love me because I did this and I did this and I never did this. And when I did this, I always apologized. And when I did this, I asked for forgiveness. And when I did this, I felt really, really bad about it. And then when I did it again, I still felt really, really bad about it. And I decided, I think I'm just gonna keep doing that and feel bad about it until God to forgive me. And so I kind of create this religion to where I can make things right with God. So me and God were, are cool, but I can hate you. And it's okay to hate you as long as I love God. And God's going, that's great. And Jesus says, okay, I just wanna make sure 
that this doesn't go there because the gravitational pull of all religion, the gravitational pull of all religion is towards some sort of tradition, and traditions are good, some kind of ritual, rituals are good, some kind of rule-keeping scheme, rule-keeping's good, all of these things that replaces the priority of treating people well. In fact, it gets so bad. In fact, some of you, this would be your story. Some of you have been mistreated in the name of religion. Some of you have been mistreated in the name of Jesus. Somebody said to you, you can't or you can't or we don't want you or da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Why not? Well, because the church teaches or our church teaches or Jesus taught. And so in essence, they rejected you in the name of Jesus who died for you. In fact, it's why some of you haven't gone to church in a while. (laughs) You met too many church people, right? That's why you don't read your Bible. The person you know that knows the most scripture is the meanest person you know. Because, I'm just telling, it's not really necessarily their fault. All religion gravitates toward rule keeping away from relationship development and maintenance. And I'm telling you why, because it is much easier, it is much easier to check things off a list than it is to love people who are hard to love. Jesus said, I'm not buying it, and this is the thing that I want to be different about you. So. 20 years goes by since Jesus says that. Not 120 years, you know, so oral tradition, everything got changed and people wrote the Bible and got all mixed up. Okay, somebody told you that in your freshman English class. You've never investigated it. Not true, okay. 20-something years later, about 22 years later after Jesus, 22. 22 years later, the apostle Paul is now a Christian. He's going all around the Mediterranean rim, you know, walking into synagogues saying, hey, God has done something unusual in Jerusalem. Jesus has come. He's the Messiah. The Jewish people in the synagogue pick him up, throw him out. And then about eight or nine people sneak out there at night and say, hey, we want to hear more about that. And Paul would take these Jewish people and some Gentile people and he would start a church. So in so many of his letters, it's all about, okay, okay, let's go back to basics. Let's go back to basics. And instead of just saying love one another, although he says that in some of his epistles, the apostle Paul took this idea of loving each other and he made it specific. And he gave us words and he gave us adjectives and he gave us nouns and he said, these are the kinds of things that should characterize a Jesus follower. So in the book of Colossians, which is really just a letter that he wrote to the church in Colossae, it's about 100 miles from Ephesus, um, you know, real important city back a long time ago, not so much anymore. He, he wrote this letter, and in this letter, he actually talks about this, you know, here's how you're, you're to love, but specifically, he relates it to what Jesus followers are supposed to wear. So the book of Colossians chapter three, if you brought your Bible, you can begin to look or get to your Bible or get to your Bible, or you can just follow me on the screen which is what most people do. Okay, so Colossians, which is fine, it's fine. You read it at home. Colossians chapter three, here's, here's what he says, ready? Therefore, as God's chosen people, now he's writing to Christians, right? As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself, here it is, clothe yourself. I wanna tell you what to wear. I wanna tell you how to clothe yourself. And no, it's not gonna be, you know, Christian, t-shirts, right? Clothe yourself. And then he gives us very, very specific things. And there's this imagery that somehow Jesus followers are to kind of mentally, maybe even emotionally put these things on. Here's what he says to clothe. He says, clothe yourself with compassion. Now in the Greek text, there's actually two terms that that are translated into compassion. And it really, you know, the term, the phrase that we use in English language, love somebody with all your heart, I love you with all my heart. In Greek culture, they didn't say love with all your heart. They literally said, a little bit gross, love with all your bowels. 
okay, or your guts, all right? I love with all your guts or your bowels. And so these two words come together, and what he means is that you are to clothe yourself with this sense of something every one of you has experienced at some point in your life, this sense of, oh, okay, you know, when, you, when your heart breaks or you feel compassionate, you don't feel it up here in your chest, you feel it right here. In fact, you, you should maybe try this at home, you know, when you're putting your kids to bed. You know, sweetheart, I love you with all my bowels, or maybe not, okay. <laughs> probably won't go very well. But anyway, that was the idea. He said, I want, you to clothe your, I want you to clothe yourself with a sense of compassion. Now, here's why this is important. Because this is different than you should have studied harder. Now, you gotta say you should have studied harder, but not initially. You know what? You should have worked harder. Well, they might have needed to have worked harder, but the initial reaction, the initial response, he said, I want you to be known as a group of people and as individuals who are compassionate, that you actually give off the idea that you... Uh, that you feel what other people are going through, that you feel what they're experiencing, regardless of the fact that they were got wrong, maybe, regardless of the fact that they could have kept that from happening to them, regardless of the fact that they didn't listen to you the first three times. I mean, you know, we all make excuses as to why we don't extend compassion. He said, but I'm telling you, I want you to put this on. I want you to wear compassion. He goes on, adds another word. Clothe yourself with compassion and kindness. Do you know what kindness is? This, is? this is so helpful. Kindness is when you loan your strength to someone else. That's what kindness is. Kindness is someone needs something to be done for them, and so you do it for them. You extend yourself. You loan them your strength. He said, I want you to, I want you to put on, I want you to put on this new habit, this new approach to life where you loan people what they need. You loan them your strength. That's when someone's kind to you. You find yourself saying, oh, you're so kind. Why? Because they did something unusual, something they didn't have to do, something they didn't owe you, and they loaned you their ability or their strength, or they loaned you their capacity. He said, I want you to put on compassion, kindness. And then he said, I want you to put on humility. Now, again, everybody sort of knows what humility is, but remember, these are all things that are in relationship to other people. So humility in relationship to other people is very simple. Humility is seeing myself as I really am in relationship to other people and to God. It's viewing myself accurately. It's viewing yourself accurately as you are in relationship to others and to God. And my accurate view, the accurate view of myself in relationship to other people is that I'm nothing more than a citizen of humanity just like the rest of you. And the fact that I can jump higher or the fact that you can jump higher doesn't change the fact that we all are born to this world naked. We don't have any control over when, when we're born or who we're born to, and most of us don't control when we die. God, who's invited all of us to call him Heavenly Father, loves you unconditionally. He said, I want you to exude that kind of humility. And he goes on. Gentleness. Now, this is a great word. You know what gentleness is? Gentleness is the decision Gentleness is the decision to respond to you in light of your strengths and weaknesses instead of responding, you out of, uh, responding to you out of my strength. Gentleness is deciding to come to your level of strength or weakness as we interact as opposed to coming to you with my strength. It's the difference between picking up a contact lens on the end of my finger and picking up a baseball with the palm of my hand. I have the capacity to do both, but I'm going to adjust my approach and I'm going to adjust my strength according to the object of my strength. You know what that means? It means gentle people don't come into the conversation and don't maintain the relationship from a position of who they are and what they've done and their knowledge and their insight and their background and their accomplishments. They gear down 
to the level of the person. They're not condescending. It has nothing to do with being condescending. It has everything to do with communicating this. You ready? That my relationship with you is more important than you being impressed by me. That my relationship with you is more important than you knowing how powerful I am. My relationship with you is more important than you knowing my full capacity and my full strength. And I'm going to adjust for your benefit. Gentleness. He says, and then patience. We all know what this is. Patience is basically deciding. It's a decision. Patience is the deciding to go the speed of another person. That's all it is. Patience is gearing down, gearing back, and determining, you know what? I'm gonna move at your speed instead of mine. Paul says, this is the stuff I want you to put on every morning. This is what I want you to be known for. This is what I want you to be known by. And then he summarizes with a couple of big thoughts. He says, bear with one another, or bear with each other. Literally, it's one another. Here's another one another. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, And then he strings it right back to what Jesus taught throughout his ministry. Look at this. He says, forgive, forgive as you've been forgiven by the people you're forgiving. No, because none of this is related to that. He says, I want you to forgive as the Lord forgave you. In fact, all of this is, I want you to be compassionate like God was compassionate with you. And I want you to be gentle like God was gentle with you. And I want you to be patient like God was patient with you. Remember how many times you said, God, I never will, and he did it again? Remember how many times you broke a promise to God? Do you know how patient God has been with you? I want you to extend that. I want you to be known for extending that same kind of patience to the people around you. And then he summarizes this way. And over all, and over all these things, like an overcoat or a vest, and over all these, th- these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity, which is his fancy way of saying that basically, This is kind of the umbrella idea. This is the canopy under which all of these things hang. Love is kind of the summary word or the summary idea for everything that I've just listed for you to put on every day. So here's the whole list. This is follow where, follow where. Now, okay. Now let me just be transparent for just a second and take this the right way and, you know, don't, you know, give me a little grace. When I look at that, I think, okay, how am I gonna get anything done? Okay, if I were, if I just stayed home with my preschoolers all day, that'll work. But once they're teenagers and once I go to work and once I have to deal with adults and once I have to deal in the marketplace and once I have to buy stuff and sell stuff and make a living, I mean, Andy, literally, are you kidding? I mean, this is, this is what I would expect a preacher to say, exactly. I would expect to come to church and hear a message on compassion. Kindness. In fact, when you whisper, it even makes it more religious and <laughs> gentleness and patience and love. And let's all hold hands and put on some short pants and get a little pen since we've been to Sunday school every week. And, you know. Now, so let me help you with that because I'm with you. The thing that allows me to lean into this and to take it seriously is who said it. This was a guy who accomplished more in a very few years than you will accomplish in a lifetime, I hate to tell you. No one will know your name 2,000 years from now. No one will quote you. You will not start a movement that will endure through the ages. You may have a really cool company and you might have like the greatest app in the world, but 2,000 years from now, no one's gonna be talking about it. But I think Paul, if he were here, would say, oh yeah, I'm with you. Every day I have to remind myself, Paul, you type A, can't take no for an answer guy, put on compassion. 
Put on gentleness. Put on humility. Put these things on because Jesus told us, I want people to identify you as my follower, not because of what you do on Sunday morning from 11 to noon. I want people to identify you as my follower by the way you treat other people. Now, the problem with a sermon like this is, you know, I've made it interesting. I've showed you some pictures, made you laugh. Oh, I love our church. And then you go have lunch or dinner or whatever and go, that was so good. Maybe, you know, I'm giving myself some credit, you know. And then you go back into your world and say, I wonder what they have for us next week, okay? And I understand that. But the goal is to actually put these things on. So I came up with a thing, to, a way to help you remember these things, okay? And it's really lame. I just want you to know. In fact, just repeat after me, that's lame. Just say that. Okay, so I already got that out. So now, how many of you have ever seen, don't raise your hand, have you ever seen a, a chick flick that was rated PG? Is there such thing as a PG rated chick flick? Just say chick flick. Come on, chick flick. PG. Okay, that's it. Here we go. Here we go. Here's the new list. Chick flick. PG. Thank you. That's... Lame. Okay, now, but I want you to remember this because chick flick is pediatric, and here's, here's why. Because tomorrow, see, this doesn't come natural. For some of you, you lean into some of this more than other things, okay? But for m many of us, most of us, I mean, this is like, are you kidding? I mean, I, I just have to quit my job and my life and my kids to, to have any of this, you know, to be known for any of this. So th the idea is, now I put kindness in there twice to make it work, okay? Some of you need a, a double dose. And if you want to come up with your own, hey, you know, knock yourself out. You know, you can put vowels in there. I don't care. The idea is, to, is this. Is to, if you have a quiet time or devotional time in the morning, which I wish you did, or even if you're just getting ready for work or you're getting in the car to think, now, God, today, okay, I want to put on compassion. I don't want to just immediately react to you should have. And if you had, I want to at least pause and for people to sense that, and God, humility. I just declare that even though I'm better than some and not as good as others, it doesn't matter because in your eyes, we're all your children. And I'm not, God, humility, I'm not gonna leverage, you know, my strength and whatever it is that you've given me that gives me a slight advantage. God, I, I'm not doing that anymore. God, I wanna be kind. God, when I just bring to my mind those opportunities I have to loan my strength to other people, to be kind. And God, to forgive, oh, it's, oh God, I, help me to forgive, not because they deserve it, but because you forgave me. And God, I wanna put on love, which kinda holds all these things together. And then back to K, kindness, okay, to loan you know, my strength. And God, help me, help me move at other people's pace to be patient. And then, teach me to be gentle. I wanna put on gentleness, I just wanna put it on. I want to listen and when I respond, I want to respond at their level of strength and capacity instead of just leveraging mine. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm putting it on. You see, the, here's the thing, and I'm done. The less like any of these things you are, the more noticeable they become. Now, besides, what's your option? This? Do you know what this is? These, the, the problem with this is this is all about making a point. Now, what I'm gonna say, this is so important. And this is why some of you dropped out of church a long time ago, and I understand that. This is all about making a point. Jesus did not come to make a point. He could have been here 15 minutes and been gone. No need to die on a cross to make a point. 
Jesus showed up to make a difference. And the church is here to make a difference. And Christians have been called to make a difference. And you already know this because you're smart or you wouldn't be here. You understand this. The difference is made in culture and the difference is made in your marriage and the difference is made with your kids and the difference is made with your parents and the difference is made at work and the difference is made in our community. Not by that. The difference is made when people sense a genuine compassion, an extraordinary kindness, a gentleness that... They know that it just seems beyond our capability. The difference is made when we love people the way our Heavenly Father loved us through Christ, His Son. Thanks so much for listening to Your Move. Don't forget to check out yourmove.is slash follow to find your next step.